as most of you guys know, uh, I also moonlight at times as a teacher. Uh, last year, I taught science. It was my first year teaching. I was responsible for teaching 7th and 8th graders. And uh, to say I wasn't qualified necessarily to teach that subject would probably not be an understatement. Uh, I had taken science classes before, but was not trained in college to do that. Um, this year, I'm teaching special education, which to me is worlds different. I'm in a special education classroom, and I mean it when I say that it's absolutely like has been my pleasure to be there. This year for me has been so much better than last year already. Um, I loved it last year. I did. I love the students. I love getting to build relationships with them and, and teach them. But this year, for a number of reasons, has been a better year for me. Uh, one of the reasons that it's been such a great year is because I work with a paraprofessional named Miss Jones. Now, Miss Jones uh, is, in about, is in my class about half the day. She's extremely talented. Uh, she loves our students. She's encouraging to be around. She's a Christian. Uh, she always has something positive to say to uplift me after we've had a particularly tough class. And she really just has a heart for working individually with these students who, for whatever reason, just need a little extra help. And it's really nice to be able to share the burden of educating these students that are high need with someone else who has a heart for students with special needs. In life, I believe that most things, a lot like me teaching this year, in most things, two are better than one. And if there's even more than two, the more the merrier. As Christians, living life together isn't just necessary. It isn't just commanded by God, but it is a function of grace. It's a function of grace. If we look at Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 5, which we'll be based out of this morning and jump around a little bit here and there. It says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one of you should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. You see, grace is ultimately in action. We talk about it a lot as something that we experience that God gifts to us, but we don't talk about the fact that grace is this ongoing, continuous thing that's happening for us in our daily lives. God is acting when he bestows grace upon us. And as Christians, as believers who have experienced this grace, it's our job, it's our responsibility to share that grace with the world around us. Part of experiencing grace is then using grace to bring others back into a right relationship with God. But gently, but gently, we must do it in a gracious way. Verse 1, Paul talks about a believer being caught in sin. Again, I'll read it. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. It's really easy to read it in the English translation and kind of lose the meaning that Paul has there. He's painting a very beautiful visual right here. You see, he's talking about someone really literally running a race and how someone is technically fleeing from sin. He's giving his fellow believers, his brothers and sisters, the benefit of the doubt that these people who have been in relationship with God would no longer chase their old ways, would no longer pursue sin, 
But sometimes in running their race and pursuing God, sin catches up with them and overtakes them. And at times we stumble and it happens to the best of us. And so Paul's talking about when a person who is fleeing from sin, who is striving to meet God's expectations, who's going in the right direction, stumbles, we should be there to help pick them up gently. It's an understanding that nobody willingly says, you know what I think I'll do today? I think I'll sin. And this is how I'm going to do it. I bet you I can sin better than I did last week. Right? We don't approach it that way. We try to live our lives the best that we can, and sometimes, occasionally, we sin. It just happens. Paul recognizes, again, that his brothers and sisters wouldn't willingly pursue sin. My question is this. When we look at our brothers, we look at our sisters, we look at our fellow believers, what is it that we see? How do you see them? Do we look on them with love and understanding, giving them the benefit of the doubt that they would not willingly pursue and chase down sin, but that sin has just caught up to them? Or do we look at them with judgment and condemnation, just waiting for them to stumble and fall so we can pounce? How do you see everybody on a daily basis? Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Matthew 18, 15, and 16 says, If your brother and sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 15, we're told, Do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. We can't look at sinners as our enemy. We can't look at sinners as our enemy. It's not us and them. It's not us and them. I think it's been kind of a reactionary thing that the church has done as a whole where we feel persecution so we push back and we think that we have to separate ourselves from all the possible sin that may be in the world. Only use Christian businesses. Only go to Christian schools. Only listen to Christian radio stations. Again, I'm not chastising any one of these things, but I just want us to understand that it's not us and them. Okay, it's not us and them. It's all the creation of Christ. And it's our job to help redeem that part of creation that isn't striving towards Christ. And to do so in a gracious way, to do so in a gentle way, to do so in a way that's loving, that points them to the King and to the grace that we've experienced as well. To be gracious, we have to act. It requires effort. You cannot extend grace by remaining silent. I'm going to say that one more time. You cannot extend grace by remaining silent. See, we've got this idea in our culture that just let them live their way and we'll live our way and everybody will do their own thing and we'll all just be harmonious and we'll never have an ill word to say about anything and, and, and everything will just be great. One, it doesn't work that way. And two, that's not biblical. It's not our job to step back no matter what the distance and say, I'll just let that person live their life however they want to live it. Letting someone remain in their sin while you observe from a distance, small or great, is sinful. Do you hear me there? Observing someone living in sin while you remain at a distance because that's either comfortable for you or it prevents you from having an awkward situation 
or it's just not something you want to do, it's not okay. It's a slight against what God has done for you and the grace that he has shown to you. And it's a sin. Grace requires that we share the burdens of others. Are you guys ready for uncomfortable Christian truth 2,300,045? Okay, here it is. It's our duty. It's our duty to share in our brother's and sister's burden. It's our duty to share in the burden of a fellow believer. You have to do that. It's required of you. See, it's, it's, it's their mess. Let them deal with it. Or, hey, they, they made their bed. Now they can lay in it. Or, it's not my problem. I have enough to worry about. It just doesn't work for Christ. It just doesn't work for God. It, it, that's not how we're meant to live our lives. And I struggle with that as much as anyone. I will be honest. Right? I have a lot to worry about in life. My day-to-day is stressful. I don't have a lot of time. There's plenty of things that I have to do, and I just, hey, this is their fault. They got themselves in that situation. They can get themselves out. Is that what Christ did for us? Is that what God did for us? Hey, you got yourself in that situation. You better get yourself out. Christ, loving us enough to say, You got yourself in this situation and I know you can't get yourself out. Decided to walk this earth, sacrifice himself and die on a cross to bring about grace to you so that you could find forgiveness, you could be justified and you could live in right standing with God. What if he would have said, it's not my problem, I got enough to worry about. It's just not how he approaches us. See, grace says that your problem is my problem. Grace says that we are in this together. Grace says it's my pleasure to be burdened by your burden. And in fact, your burden isn't a burden to me at all. I'm glad that I can help you. I'm glad that we can walk through this together. I'm glad that we can lean on one another. And you know what? I realize this is a tough situation. I realize it's no fun, but we will get through this thing together. That's what grace says. Grace says, I'm here if you need me, and it means it, and it doesn't take no for an answer. Acts 20, 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. See, that, that, that comment is talking to the disciples, really, but it's a comment for all of us. It's a comment for all of us. You see, when we experience the grace that only God can offer and we become part of the family of God, then we really do become our brother's keeper. It's our job to make sure that they are living right. It's our job to make sure that their needs are met. It's our job to make sure that they are not burdened alone. It's our job to walk them through life at times when they say, I cannot do this all by myself. It's our job. It's our duty. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disrupted, disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Life is so hard. Life is so hard. I mean, I see so many nods across the room today, <laughs> head nods in agreement. Life is hard. It's difficult. There are things that are not fun. 
There are children that will scream at you all day long, no matter how much you love them. There are parents that no matter how gracious you are to them, still can not find anything right with what you do. There are sons and daughters who are so unappreciative of the sacrifices that you make for them. There are co-workers who are rude just because they can be. There's always going to be somebody who cuts you off in traffic and then flips you the bird like it was your fault. We face these things every day. Life is difficult. It just is. Like really, really difficult at times. Isn't it better to have somebody that you can walk through life with together? Doesn't that make it easier? Doesn't that make it better? Isn't it even better when you have a family to help you through life too? Not just one, but you can rely on so many individuals who are there and love you and have made that clear to you. I'm here to help because I love you. I'm not going anywhere because I love you. I want you to experience grace because I love you. We are in this thing together. We all fall down. We all do. We all fall down. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. So love each other back up. You hear me? Love each other back up. We can always correct sin, right? You can see sin every day and you can tell people how wrong that sin is. But what are you doing as you walk by them? Are you kicking dirt in their eye or are you helping them back to their feet? How are you doing that? Let this be your challenge, to love people back up to where they should be. Here's another uncomfortable truth. After everything I've said, in the end, we have to be responsible for ourselves. In the end, we have to be responsible for ourselves. Now, this is twofold. As Christians, we have to be accountable for ourselves before we can be accountable to someone else. Right? It's just how it works. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, these verses are usually used in a, hey, don't be so judgy sermon, right? You're not doing the world any favors by being so judgy and always seeing the speck in everyone's eye when you yourself have sinned. It's important to note, though, that these verses say nothing. I repeat, say nothing about not holding each other accountable. They say nothing about ignoring your brother's sin. They just say, hey, make sure that you have your stuff taken care of too. At no point does he say, don't talk to your brother about the speck in their eye because you have a plank in your eye. It just says, you have a plank in your eye, so you better take care of that so that you can see the speck clearly. It's still our job. It's still our job always to call out sin when we see sin. But you know what you better have done? You better have be working on the sin in your own life. You better be striving daily to be the best person that you can be. You better be being accountable to yourself. It's so easy to look at someone else and say, I see your sin. That's really easy, right? We're on the outside looking in. I can see sin all day. I can point it out right and left. But I sin just as much. Maybe more than others. I know I'm not supposed to say that up here. I'm supposed to be perfect and pristine and my life's all together and I'm so good and I'm always positive and handsome and got a great body, <clears throat> right? But none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. I recognize that because I see how unperfect I am. 
But too many of us walk around thinking that we're perfect because we've experienced grace, which is the only thing that separates a non-believer from a believer. I realize that being in a relationship with Jesus should change us, and I'm not saying that it doesn't. And daily, we should be becoming more like the king. But are we not just sinners that have been saved by grace? Is that not what Jesus has done? Is that not the only thing that separates us from somebody who's destined to hell? I get heaven not by anything I've done, but by everything that Jesus has done. That's grace. Walk around my chest puffed out, my Christian letterman jacket, my plaque on the wall that says I got fourth place in being a Christian that week. I'm so proud of it. What good does that do us? What good does that do us to put blinders on and run our race when God has called us to pick each other up along the way? Isn't it better to make it to heaven with your family around you? Isn't it better at the end of times when you're facing judgment from God to see the people that you have loved along the way that have helped you get there and that you have helped get there also? Some of us walk around like heaven's just going to be us, Jesus, and God. We're going to be playing ping pong wishing we had a fourth for another partner. Ultimately, each of us is responsible for ourselves and our own actions. Your brother and your sister should be picking you up along the way. And they will face judgment if they don't. But ultimately, your actions are yours. Hear me now. I'm not saying I'm not willing to share in the burden. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be. But I'm saying at the end of the day, I will face judgment for what I need to face judgment for and you will face judgment for what you need to face judgment for. And we cannot use the excuse because people do this as well that, well, the church turned their back on me. Well, I went to church, but great aunt Tessie was really rude and so I never went back. We each are responsible for our own actions. It doesn't mean, however, that we can't help each other along the way. Proverbs 27, 17. The most possibly overused verse in all of Scripture. But it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Each of us can make each other better. Or we can live life like we're the only thing that matters. But those that are merciful will be shown mercy. Dare I say, those that are gracious will be shown grace. How will you choose to live your life? Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day and for the people that are here in this room. Lord, at times we read scripture and we see things that point so directly at us that uh, it stings a little bit. This week was one of those for me. I, I, at times, I know I can be one of those that says, well, it's not my problem, so shouldn't have to deal with it because I have a whole lot of problems to deal with. And that's true, but it doesn't excuse me from being a brother to my brothers and sisters in you.
We are a family. You call us to share the burdens of one another, to help each other make it through this life in a way that at the end we can stand before you and find forgiveness. God, it's never comfortable to call out sin when we see sin. It's never fun to have a discussion with somebody you care about when you don't quite see or understand or even know how they're going to respond to it. But it's still our job. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. Luckily, however, we have been shown grace. Grace that hopefully after this series and in these past weeks we're starting to better understand, but grace that is so profound that maybe we just honestly never will. Help us to be people who look on one another with love. Who aren't happy when we see our brothers and sisters fall. Who feel their pain when they stumble. And who rush to their side to say, let me help you back up. Lord, you have shown us grace. Make us a gracious people. Make Crosspoint a gracious church. Help us to be bold enough and brave enough to call out sin when we see sin. But burn it on our hearts to do so gently and graciously and from a place of love. I ask these things in all, all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.